Cause we got the alternative energy Molecular free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Hi, my name's Mara This week's Radioactive Show was recorded and produced on Ghana and Wurundjeri land For 3CR Melbourne And is broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network on this show, we hear about nuclear medicine and the recent shutdown of the Anstor-Lucas Heights reactor just south of Sydney. We speak to Dr Margaret Beavers from the Medical Association for the Prevention of War. The Sydney Morning Herald reported that medical production at the facility stopped, pending a thorough investigation into the spill. It was reported that there was a disruption to Anstor's supply of technetium following a mechanical issue in the production line. Apparently, a transfer conveyor within the production facility stopped working, impacting production of the generators. This affected the supply of technetium to hospitals and medical centres in Australia and internationally, and the facility's production of 10,000 doses of technetium per week for Australian patients stopped. Media reports stated that thousands of patients could face delays in getting diagnostic scans. The radioactive spill behind the incident was the second at the facility in 10 months. The products are used in nuclear imaging and are a diagnostic tool used in scans. Now we'll hear from MAPWA's Dr Margaret Beavis to get her understanding of the incident, its consequences, ways to avoid these problems and how to deal with the waste. Hi Margie, thanks for joining us on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Um, so you've had a, a long history with the um, campaign against uh, the waste dump, and we have had you on the radioactive show last year. I think it was talking about nuclear medicine and um, yep. debunking some yep. of the myths around that. Yep. Um, yep. Today, I thought we'd talk a bit more about that and the um, recent shutdown at Lucas Heights and what's going on with the dump and um, MAPWA's involvement. Um, so, yeah, if you just give us a bit of an outline about MAPWA to start with, that would be great. Okay. Um, the Medical Association for Prevention of War is a group of health professionals, so doctors, nurses, physios, all sorts. Um, and what we are interested in is two things. We think it's really important to use information and research to help prevent wars. I mean, if certainly if more attention had been paid to information that was available in 2003, Australia would never have invaded Iraq. Mm. And, and, and just as an example, in Iraq, about a million Iraqis died. There's good evidence for that. So we sort of think an emphasis on diplomacy and foreign aid, which helps people stay in places they want to live um, and stabilises communities from conflict Foreign aid and diplomacy are pretty cost-effective compared to a huge build-up in the defence industry. The second area we concentrate on a lot is um, nuclear fuel, nuclear chain, so nuclear weapons. Um, MAPW set up ICANN, the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, about 10 years ago, and ICANN, as many of your listeners would know, went on to be really a, a key part of the United Nations Treaty last year, which is prohibits nuclear weapons and then because we'd worked so hard to get that treaty, ICANN was recognised as um, by the Nobel Peace Prize Committee and was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize last year. So that was all pretty exciting. Very exciting. Uh, MAPW thought we'd given birth to a gorilla. <laughs> so that was nice. <laughs> um, but, but with the nuclear side of things, um, it's a whole chain of um, issues and in Australia, one issue that's been very topical has been nuclear waste. I mean, as you listeners again would know, we were proposed to import a huge amount of the world's nuclear waste. Unfortunately, that proposal was defeated. It was such a crazy idea and 
so deeply flawed on many levels, not least the fact that it was almost certain to lose money in the long run, and that was the main motivation. But anyway, we're not talking about that today. Today we're talking about the nuclear waste um, that comes from ANSTO and also comes from um, CSIRO and various other sources, um, and where that's going to go and what pressure is being put on communities in South Australia um, to take this waste. Um, and so certainly MABW, this is part of the whole nuclear fuel chain, um, is interested in that also. Mm. Yeah, because it's all related. If you don't, if if you dig it up, then you've got to do something with it at the end of the process. Absolutely. So, yeah, well, I like the concept of leaving it in the ground. But anyway, we have <laughs> this waste um, and yes. it does need to be dealt with responsibly, obviously. Yes. Um, yes. And so our... Yes. Lucas Heights, that's operated by Ansto, um, that creates yes. a lot of Australia's um, intermediate level waste, which doesn't that's it for, right. the, um, yep. for the nuclear um, yep. medicine isotopes. Yep. Um, yep. And recently there was a shutdown there and there was a bit of hoo-ha about availability of the um, nuclear medicine to patients in Australia. What do you know about that that happened? Um, my understanding is the conveyor belt in a very highly radioactive area um, broke down and that they're going to have to wait for two weeks before they can even go in to repair this area. Um, initially, there was a, a shortage of nuclear medicine available, um, but it looks like, not that this information has come from Lucas Heights, but it looks like that um, from an ABC story late last week that it looks like they're going to be sending um, bulk molybdenum, which is the... Um, isotope that goes on to make the bulk of nuclear medicine, they're going to be sending bulk molybdenum over to America and then it gets processed and put into these little, what we call processes that then can be individually shipped to hospitals for use. So it looks like that they will um, be deferring um, some tests, but it shouldn't be for too long when the supply, I mean, these these um, processes get shipped around the world quite frequently. Um, whenever we, the, the, the uh, reactor at Lucas Heights um, shuts down between one and two months a year, um, all reactors do for maintenance. Um, and so when we do that, we get our isotopes from South Africa. We have a deal with South Africa. So, um, yes, there has been an interruption to nuclear medicine tests, but this should be relatively short-lived and um, the capacity should be back up and running fairly soon. Um, and so it wasn't that much of a disruption to to the availability of medicine for patients in Australia. Um, are there alternatives to, to doing this at, at all? Like, do we need the isotopes to come out of Lucas Heights? Um, I should say that my, this is my understanding. I know last week they were um, working hard to get the nuclear medicine um, available and my understanding isn't back yet, but it should it should be okay. Um, the interesting thing is that when Australia has used to provide 1% of the world's nuclear medicine, in other words, enough for Australia, in the last few years they've massively increased the amount and their plan is massively increased to 25 to 30% of the world's supply. So that's 25 times what we used to produce. And this will produce a vastly increased amount of this intermediate level waste. Um, the reason we get concerned about intermediate level waste is it stays toxic for 10 to 100,000 years and needs to be isolated from the environment for a very long time. And this intermediate level waste has been um, a, a problem because they keep producing it and they actually don't know what to do with it. Yeah. They are sending it to South Australia for storage. They don't have any disposal plan 
Um, and that's what really we think is fundamentally wrong with the proposal that they've had. Well, there's many things that are fundamentally wrong, but one of the big ones is that they're actually, it's, it's very substandard to be shipping it just for storage. It's highly likely that the community may end up left with this waste, you know, dudded and left with it long term. Mm. And just storing it in the shed is not adequate, especially when you think about the waste at Woomera, which was put there, I don't know, about 30 years ago, and it's already leaking. And so this stuff that's supposed to be for 10,000 to 100,000 years is um, needs much better stewardship than just being put in the shed. It's not world's best practice by any means. No, and moving it Your twice question, seems a bit yeah, odd yeah, as well. Yeah, moving it twice. And, and also it's very, Ansto says it doesn't have room or... The low-level waste, which we're not nearly as much concerned about because that really is radioactivity, it needs safe storage for about 300 years, which is sort of gloves and gowns, which is what all the communities have been told about over and over again. Um, we're not nearly as much concerned about that. Um, the um, issue with the, the long-lived waste is how long it needs to be sorted. It's, it's very low volume, so Anstow says it doesn't have room. Well, it does have room because this, this intermediate-level waste is a very small volume. It should be kept in Sydney until they've worked out how to dispose of it properly. Absolutely. Um, I just want to come back a little bit to the increase in production that Anstow is um, aiming to do. So you said that initially we had 1% of the world's market and they want to increase to 25 There's not that no. many countries that do this? Are, are there, and why is Australia, with no disposal solution sorted, what do you think the logic behind, oh, we'll, we'll tap into this and we'll get 25% of the world's market? Why, why do you think that whatever Boffin out there thinks this is a good idea? Um, I think you have to go back to, I think it's a very complex question. I suspect it's Ansto building its own business. Um, I think it's done without regard to the people who are going to be taking the waste from their own business. And I also think Ansto claims that they have full cost recovery. Almost all these um, productions of nuclear medicine end up being subsidised by government. Now, Ansto claims it has full cost recovery. In other words, it gets the money back that it puts in to make these um, isotopes. But there's no public cost benefit Anywhere, there's no evidence that this is the case. Ansto costs us about $200 million a year to oh run, my so $200 million. And, and yet there is no clear number crunching to show that they, when they're selling this stuff, that they're actually factoring in the cost of the reactor, the cost of the equipment they've been provided with for the government. I think it's 100, $800 million for the new molybdenum plant. I might have that wrong, but that's a figure that jumps to mind. Um, there's a lot of money sloshing around, and yet we don't have any clear cost-benefit analysis. Um, the other thing that's very disappointing for ANSTO is that there is, in Canada, and I think you asked about this earlier and I didn't really answer the question, um, in Canada, their big reactor shut down, was actually shutting down this year finally, um, and they have been looking into cyclotron manufacture of um, isotopes. And in 2016, they demonstrated that they could produce commercial qualities, quantities of these isotopes using cyclotrons. And cyclotrons are much, much smaller than reactors. So you have a lot of them dotted around the country. They're about the size of a four-wheel drive. Um, and they can produce these this nuclear medicine for testing. Um, and these commercial quantities have been shown. It's now going through regulatory hurdles. It needs to be proven that it can... Um, just like all new drugs, it has to be proven that it's okay in people, but it, so far everything looks perfect. 
And secondly, it needs to be funded. And I think just like Australia has big bun fights over whether the Commonwealth or the state pay for various health costs, uh, my understanding is from people in Canada that's currently in the subject of a bit of a bun fight as to who's going to pay for these new cyclotrons. But what's really disappointing, getting back to Australia, is that even though it's been shown that um, these cyclotrons in Canada can produce commercial quantities in the three trials they did, um, Australia is not looking into that, or ANSTO is not looking into this as a future source of isotopes. And the reason we should be looking into cyclotrons is because they're so much cleaner, there's so much less nuclear waste produced by them. Yeah, and my um, understanding, what I've heard from um, ANSTO and, and the government, um, this particular Department of Industry, Innovation and Science that's driving the current federal proposal for the um, radioactive waste facility, um, they're saying that cyclotrons aren't able to produce what's needed for nuclear medicine? Are they completely disregarding the Canadian um, evidence? I think I think at the moment um, we still need reactors to produce nuclear medicine. There's no question about that. Um, what's disappointing is that the government's scheduling this vastly increased production for 40 years mm. forward. And if you look at the sums, if you look at the data from Anstow's own press releases, there is more intermediate level waste planned in the future than exists already in Australia. And we feel that's, given that they still don't know how to dispose of this stuff, um, the first principle of producing toxic waste is to reduce production where mm. you can. So we, we think that they should be doing research. They should be partnering with the Canadians. So in, I don't know, two years or three years or five years, Australia can phase out reactor production and phase in cyclotron production. And in fact, this this um, recent shutdown of ANSTO, where, which has been sort of such a cause of concern, it's a big problem because when you have one, one factory, if you like, making all the stuff, if that factory breaks down, then it's terrible. Whereas if we had cyclotrons in each capital city and in some regions, um, we could have if one went if one breaks down, it's not a disaster because you could ship the stuff to the others. I mean, it's it's and it wouldn't have to go all the way to America and back. Yes, and but also it it if you have if you have a single point breakdown in a very large facility, you have a major interruption of the supply. You, you really lose a lot of supply. Whereas yeah. in fact, um, if we had lots of cyclotrons dotted around the country, and there's I think there's about there's still there's already about nine cyclotrons in Australia that could be converted to this manufacture. Um, but if we had cyclotrons dotted around the country, if one broke down, it wouldn't be a catastrophe in terms of supply of nuclear medicine. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We're speaking with Dr Margaret Beavis from the Medical Association for the Prevention of War about the recent shutdown of Anstos Lucas Heights nuclear reactor. The other thing that I think um, in terms of um, the reactor supply for nuclear medicine, whether we have a waste facility now or whether we have a waste facility in five years time or ten years time, it's not going to impact on the supply of nuclear medicine in Australia. I mean, there's been a lot of um, misinformation and distorted information provided for communities and they, the sort of implication is that if, if we don't get a waste dump then we can't have nuclear medicine. Well that's completely untrue. 
as I said earlier, the, the intermediate level waste is small volume. Um, it's very high radioactivity, intensely high radioactivity, but um, it could be stored at ANSTO. There's, there's good stuff from our panda saying it could be stored at ANSTO for another decade. And what we really mm, I was told several current. decades, so yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's the urgency, the compression that's being put on communities to say, you know, if we don't have a dump, we won't have nuclear medicine. Mm. It's not quite as explicit as that, but it's very close. And that is the message and, that um, the communities of Kimber and Hawker and the Flinders Rangers have been getting, that if we don't have this dump, you need, you know, people will die, is kind of the yeah, subtext yes, well, of what just, they're getting. It's, just, <laughs> it's emotional so blackmail. Yes, yes, and it shouldn't so fall to a remote and regional community that um, you know that, that feel that the pressure to take on what really is a national issue. Well, the other thing is that once they start taking intermediate low waste, it takes the pressure off ANSTO to explore the low waste possibilities. Mm. It really doesn't. It means that they will stop. There's no incentive for them to to try and reduce the production of this highly toxic stuff. And there's also not much incentive for them to look at disposal because if they've got a sort of nice shed somewhere in the remoter areas of Australia, they can just keep producing this stuff and putting it there and not worrying about whether it leaks or what might happen to that community in terms of, of long term. Yeah, it's, it's it's a real concern. I mean, another thing that they've been that they've come out with relatively recently is that while the proposal hasn't changed, like the federal proposal is for the permanent disposal of low-level waste and long-term interim storage of the intermediate, more dangerous waste. Um, and initially, they were throwing around figures like, "Oh, this facility will create 15 jobs," um, and no one's ever known whether they were going to be full-time, permanent, part-time, or even local jobs for community members. And all of a sudden, they've come out with saying that it's 45 jobs that will be happening that will come out of the facility. Yet the proposal hasn't changed at all. Um, what sort? What have you have you got any thoughts on that at all? Well, look, it's really useful to look at the history of this stuff because I think people were a bit more um, believable back before they needed to vote. The <laughs> votes would change the information that's getting going out there. So in 2010, a Department of Resources radioactive waste management guy was the manager then, Patrick DeVoren, said the facility would create six full-time jobs. And then to quote him directly, he said, that's just the numbers you need to maintain a 24-hour guard of two people. Cause this is just this is just a waste facility. It's, it's a dump, really. Mm. He then added that it would also need counter-terrorism officers if radioactive waste of safeguards significant was to be stored there. Well, that's actually code for the intermediate level waste because there is plutonium, which can be made into bombs contained in the intermediate level waste. So he's basically saying you'd have security guards and then you might need some counter-terrorism officers, if, and, and that's probably true. And then in 2006, um, Senator Trish McCrossan was in Senate Estimates, and she was told that there would be, when she asked, approximately 30 construction jobs, so 30 short-term jobs, and six ongoing jobs. So again, six ongoing jobs for security. Um, which is not really very much given the potential for your community to be labelled as the sort of nuclear waste capital of Australia mm. and what the impacts of that is. And then in 2003, the government's own public relations company, which called Mitchell's Warren, made a statement saying the national repository could never be sold as good news to South Australians. There are few, if any, tangible benefits such as jobs, investment, or improved infrastructures. So that's what the government's been saying. So basically six jobs, maybe 30 in construction short term, um, 
And, and as I said, the government's own spin back in 2003 said there are few, if any, tangible benefits such as jobs, investment or improved infrastructure. So it's sort of like um, the information's a bit, a bit distorted now. There's 45 jobs. I look at it like, I mean, when they went up to 15 jobs, I was incredulous. I thought, <laughs> how can there be 15 jobs? And now they've tripled that. And they've got a lovely spreadsheet, or not a spreadsheet, a flowchart with lots of very nice titles. And you look at it and it's it's really, I sort of think, what are these people going to do when basically the the, the um, low-level waste is going to be encased in cement? So there's nothing you can do to that except perhaps occasionally check the cement and cracking. And the intermediate-level waste, which is going to be in a shed, well, yes, if it's got um, um, potentially, it's got plutonium and safeguarded material that needs to be internationally looked after, you'd have security guards and possibly some counter-terrorism officers. But um, it's sort of beggars belief that there could be 45 jobs looking after a rubbish dump or a highly toxic rubbish dump. The other thing that's interesting is that apparently the um, mayor of Baden Ridge in New South Wales came to where, where Lucas Heights, next door to Lucas Heights, came and said what a good thing it was to have Ansto in their facility. What's interesting is that 20 years, 24 years ago, the community around Lucas Heights um, took Ansto to court to get rid of the Woomera waste because um, then at that stage it was stored at Lucas Heights. And so it's very interesting how the, the tune has changed. I mean, the people around Lucas Heights would like to get rid of this waste because they don't like having it nearby. I mean, they dislike it so much that they in fact, changed their names. The suburb that used to be called Lucas Heights changed its name to Barden Ridge to reduce the stigma. And, and I think the government says, oh, yes, but real estate agents have, real estate agents did this. Well, yes, real estate agents would do that because it would improve values. They also say that the prices have gone up um, over the last few years. Well, I think the whole of Sydney, the prices exactly. have gone up. Exactly. From what base the prices have gone up. I mean, sort of the logic around the, the it's so good to have nuclear waste in your neighbourhood is, is sort of... Um, it's such a strange argument. I mean, it's sort of a bit like the sort of emperor's new clothes. How long are you going to believe this? Or someone actually says, well, actually, that's just not true. Mm. And the other mm. part of it is that that um, that that mayor of, of the of Sutherland Shire that, that came out here at, into the South Australia saying, oh, so it's it's wonderful the community don't mind having it there at all. Um, why not keep it there? It, 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 it exactly. sort of didn't, I, I didn't quite understand that if it's so good at Lucas Heights and the community are okay with it, why do you want to move it halfway across the country and increase the risk of transport accidents and double handling and, and all of that? It's like, it doesn't make sense in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a high risk of the South Australian community that ends up with this intermediate level waste will be left holding the baby for a very long time because there'll be um, very little political motivation to move it again. Yeah, there is a, a, a feeling that once it kind of once once the race crosses, say the Great Dividing Range, it'll be like a blip falling off the edge of a radar, and like it'll be out of sight, out of mind, and it'll be left there. Out of sight, out of mind. I think that's right. I think that's right. And the community will lift. And the other thing is, um, yeah, the, the claims of how they're storing it, um, they're all just claims. I mean, I think one of the one of the representatives said, this dump will not leak. Well, sorry, you know, concrete breaks down, it cracks. Other, other materials break down. It's, 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 uh, I hope he's right. It would be lovely. If, I wish I could say, you know, this will not leak. I would love that to be true. But again, 
the spin now yeah. that's sort of circulating now there's a vote needed it's, it's you have to sort of apply a bit of critical thinking to yeah. what people are telling and, you. And um, for 10,000 years, it's a bit arrogant to be able to, you know, say something so confidently with that, with that kind of time frame. Well, the pharaohs and their pyramids were 5,000 years ago. I mean, I, I find big numbers really hard. I find mm. a big number becomes a bit meaningless. When you think it's twice as long ago as the pharaohs, it's a very long time. It's a very long time. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add about any of this stuff, Margie? Um... I just think, again, we really would like an inquiry into nuclear waste production in Australia. We would like transparency from ANSTO about why they're doing what they're doing and why they aren't putting more effort into cyclotrons. Um, I think that this is this is um, very unfair, the amount of pressure the communities are being put under. I think it's caused a huge amount of... I mean, what's really sad is when you go up to the communities to find out there's people who are under huge stress there are, um, you know, anxiety, depression, marriage issues, there's all sorts of stuff happening up there because of this issue. I mean, it's really, really been very harmful for these communities. And I think that's really unfair. And I think that the government should take more responsibility. And I think the bottom line is this is a substandard proposal and it has no impact on whether or not Australia gets nuclear medicine or not. And but I, I would say to those communities, be careful what you wish for because once this stuff is in your community, you will be the radioactive capital of Australia in terms of radioactive waste. Yeah, it'll be interesting to get some figures around you know, the, the potential impacts on agriculture and tourism and pastoralism yeah, and all the other yeah, you know strong yeah, industries yeah, yeah, in those places. Yeah, 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 How can yeah, this top that? Absolutely. Yes, yes. So I think, I think yeah, be careful what you wish for because absolutely. I think there's a lot of government... Um, government money and a lot of government advertising and spin and they need to look very critically at that because what they're being told is often really very um, manipulated and distorted. Mm. Well, hopefully we'll get a strong no vote in the non-binding community ballot in August um, and that will put some pressure on the government to you know, step up and act responsibly, <clears throat> hopefully. Absolutely. Well, yeah. thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and thoughts today, Margie. It's always you, really good to speak to you and get good your perspective. It's common sense, which is not what I feel like we get out of the government. <laughs> I know. It's sort of like it really isn't that hard. Just look at what you can do to improve the situation. Anyway. No, it seems very logical and it's great to have you put it so clearly and concisely. So thank you so much for that, Margie. <laughs> Thanks, Mara. And we'll speak to you soon. Great. Thanks thank lot, you. Bye. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Thanks so much to Dr Margaret Beavers from the Medical Association for the Prevention of War. Her common sense approach to nuclear medicine and the management of the waste it produces should be seriously considered by the federal government. Lucas Heights has the infrastructure and the expertise to deal with incidents such as the one that caused the recent shutdown. We should leave the waste there where it's produced and not move it to a remote community. Please don't forget to sign and share the petition to Minister Matt Canavan asking to stop the terrible site selection protest. Go to www.conservationsa.org.au slash nuclear and then click on sign the petition. Thanks for listening to The Radioactive Show. You can download the podcast of this program at 3cr.org.au slash radioactive. We'll post links relevant to this show on our Facebook page and website. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email us on radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. 
This radioactive show was produced with the support of Friends of the Earth's Nuclear Free Campaign on the stolen lands of the Ghana people for 3CR. It's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening and tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues. Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We rely on the financial support of listeners like yourself to keep going. If you'd like to support diverse voices on your radio, go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.